0: Hi you guys, this is Open Mike Eagle This is the Secret Skin Podcast Radio Rap Talk Show Secret Hour Radio Program That's not on the radio A new band name is not on the radio TV, not on the radio Not TV, not on the radio On the internet And then, um Yeah, I guess the first person to tell me who the acronym for my new band name is gets to buy a t-shirt with said acronym on it. Isn't that clever? I thought so. Did you hear how I started smiling when I said it? This is Secret Skin. And on this episode, I have an interview with Dessa of Doomtree. Uh, It's very exciting. We had a really good talk. We were on tour. I was on tour with Doomtree. We were in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we went... um, and found a big, beautiful hotel lobby to set up my portable podcasting equipment in. There were a lot of important people getting on and off of elevators. And luckily, none of that is in the podcast, just our conversation. And before I get to that, I had asked some people on the internet to send me questions, and I'm going to answer some right now because I think that is a fun thing to do. Here's one from Adam Messenger. Messinger, messenger no Messinger. after seeing a couple references here and there to John Lovitz in your songs is it safe to say you're a John Lovitz fan and if so why I'm interested to hear where I made another John Lovitz reference before the song called John Lovitz but uh I didn't even really make a John Lovitz reference in that song I just named it after him. Uh, I actually think he's really, really awesome. I think he's really great. um at some point last year, probably around the time I wrote that song, I was rewatching like the entire Saturday night Live, and uh, I got to the eighties and just saw how he was like basically holding that show together him and Phil Hartman were um I think he's he's just got a great affect. he's a great actor um And I like a lot of his characters. And then if you ever get a chance, check out this um, interview he did with Kevin Smith. He did a three or four part interview with Kevin Smith uh, covering his entire time at SNL. And it was uh, they recorded in front of a studio audience audience at the Smod Castle where Kevin Smith does a lot of his podcasts, And it was really great. And it made me fall in love with the guy. That and that scene he has in Happiness, which is a movie that I wish I'd never watched, but I really like his part in it. Here's another question. This one comes from Adam Messinger. In Doug Stamper, there's a part going into the second verse where you go, fuck, timing, shit. Was that an outtake of frustration or was that planned? No, that was an outtake of frustration. I started wrapping um, the verse too early and I got upset. And then when I went back and heard it, I liked it. Um the Wu-Tang used to do that a lot, I think. They would um be recording and and it'd be somebody else's turn to rap and and they would try to come in too early and they would just make up some shit to say for a while before they actually started rapping. And I guess they probably it was best for them to do that because they were probably recording on tape and that shit was expensive. But I always thought that was a nice touch. Um, to just uh leave it in there sloppy and uh and funny and then um you know that kind of inspired the fake frustration at the end of Sadface penance raps um that was a work i know i'm breaking kayfabe there but yeah that, that part was a work this third question comes from um a guy i don't hear from too often adam messinger speaking of doug stamper why don't you do the Hella Donkofent part live? That serves from a different song. Next question, um, from my good friend Adam Messinger. In golden age raps, you start off with fuck Redding, California, cause shit's pretty racial there. What's the story behind your hate for Redding, or Redding's hate for you? I was on the Natural Causes tour around the time that my Natural Causes album came out, and this was in 2011, maybe 2012 by the time the tour happened. Um, and um I was with uh Native American rapper, Nabahi, uh Asian rapper, um, everybody knows. That's his name, everybody knows. That's his rap name, everybody knows. Everybody knows this is his rap name. Everybody knows. That's his name. Uh and I was with Verbs and Alpha MC, who are two fellow uh black American rappers and um, we had a day off between I believe San Francisco which was a funny hilarious story all its own and what I believe was Bend Oregon and uh, that's up the 5 freeway they're both on the 5 freeway or along the 5 Uh, San Francisco is a little bit west of there we had a day off and it made perfect sense looking at the map to stop in Reading for the night and it was quite a drive. I believe it was like six or seven hours and we got out happy. We got out and we um, we didn't know where to get our hotel yet. So we kind of went um, into this park that was at the center of town. The first thing that happened is that uh, one of the guys on the tour, I won't name who, fell immediately out of the van into some bushes by a river. It was hilarious because he was like, you know, uh, ass over nostrils ankles deep in shrubbery and thorns and it was funny Um, his his exuberance just got the best of him and he almost died but but trust me it was it was hilarious Um, but it wasn't the shrubbery that was racist Uh, we ended up walking uh, through the park and we were kinda getting some weird looks from people we didn't really kinda know what to expect and we got to like look like to be the areas downtown and I was looking at one of the storefront windows and I saw a a radio station, and on the radio station, there was a big poster of their logo, and their logo was a map of the world with crosshairs aimed directly at Africa. I believe I'm making the same face now that I made when I saw that my brows furled down to my lips. Um, so that was, you know, big huge red flag, number one. And then um, I think at that point we had split up the group a little bit trying to find food or trying to find a hotel. I did not remember what, but by the time I reconvened with the other two, it turns out apparently um, someone had pulled up next to them. Rolled down their window and yelled niggers and sped off. Uh, so we left Reading, California, I believe, an hour or so after that. And um, I, for one, will not go back. Funny thing is, apparently, one of us moved there a couple years after that because that's what happens sometimes it was over a girl anyway um, I have another question this time from Adam Messinger on Sir Rockaby are the tracks middling and or Meph's lament about anyone in particular middling is a uh, diatribe against mediocrity overall Meph's lament is about a journalist who wrote something that I didn't like in probably 2010 or 2011 I was really angry in 2010 and 2011 it had to be 2010 um yeah some journalist wrote something about how gangster music was like inherently better than non no, I'm sorry gangster rap was inherently better than like non gangster rap one of those authenticity things and I remember the guy's name but I won't say it because that would be petty maybe anyway i didn't like it um Anyway, that guy seems to be an okay guy, I guess. I don't know. He, you know, some people have misguided opinions, but he's, said some, he's written some nice things about some friends of mine, and so um, I guess that's all right. I don't know. I don't know. The authenticity thing is something I really have a deep-seated issue with because I believe that a lot of times when people are saying that, they are um, tempting to like... Um, I don't know it it devalues my experience as a black american I feel that I feel what they're saying is that the gangster rap is the only authentic rap because the, the that's because the rap that comes from a certain type of black experience is the only type that matters and I think that's a very problematic thing to say and I hate it and I want to kill people when to say it, because I am a closet murderer. (sighs) Anyway, um, this last question comes from my long lost friend, Adam Messinger. He says, who is your current favorite wrestler? And who was your favorite wrestler of all time? If there were a wrestler or wrestlers you could omit from history, who would you choose? Way to fit five questions in one. Who's your current favorite wrestler? Probably Dean Ambrose. Who's my favorite wrestler of all time? Um, I'm gonna go with Ric Flair. If there were a wrestler or wrestlers you could omit from history, who would you choose? That's a really good question. Who do I think is completely useless? I'm a humanist, um, by philosophy, so, um... I don't know if I could omit somebody from history. It seems super mean. I feel like everybody, you know, was trying as hard as they could. Um, I mean, there's guys I don't like, but see, the problem with wrestling is that like, usually if I don't like a person, it's got nothing to do with what they do. It's got everything to do with how they're booked. So there's people who I turn on TV right now and I groan when I see them. Like, I don't want to see Kane. I don't want to see Big Show. Um they're very talented guys though you know they busted their ass they've been main eventers they've been world champions and and um they're good at what they do it's just not exciting or not fresh and um you know the booking the programming of how of how wrestling is plotted a lot of times um brings about a certain staleness in character but i don't know if i'd omit anybody from uh from wrestling history i can't think of one that i just think is completely completely worthless um yeah so i guess i'm going to end the question segment with a non answer thanks adam for getting me to that point i had i tried to keep a hitting streak going you just ruined it thanks well time to play you my of conversation play you i'm not gonna play you something i'm not playing it for you it's going to be digitally inserted right after my voice, if I'm going to be honest about things. Digital insertion. It seems so dirty. Um, it was a awesome conversation. I really enjoyed talking with Dessa. It was a little bit of a weird time for me because I was on a tour with Doomtree. And Doomtree is a crew of seven uh, MCs or seven people. I think it was six MCs and one DJ who was on the tour. And, um, I didn't know them all. I knew POS and I knew Dessa very well. They're based out of, uh, the Twin Cities. Um, and it was interesting. I was opening up for their shows. They were very well attended. Um, it was a very fortunate place for me to be in, but I didn't know them all very well. And, and didn't know her as well as I knew POS. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard the POS episode. Um, and it was interesting to have a moment to kind of connect with her and, um, get deeper into what she's about as an artist and, and and who she is as a person got to touch on a little bit of controversy to controversy controversy as they say on bbc news um about an incident with her walking out of another podcast that happens to be hosted by some friends of mine so listen till the end and get to that part i'm sorry my intro was so long blame adam messinger this is secret skin There's a secret radio hour, and this is it. I'm on tour with Doomtree, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a good one. How's a good one. Um, It's it's epic. You guys are selling out almost every venue. These big, beautiful, wonderful shows, and bringing all of these really nice people out in every city that we go to. So it's been interesting for me um, because you guys' this group dynamic. Is uniquely intimidating in that it's not intimidating on a personal level. Like unpack that. Um, there's
1: seven of you touring. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, six and seven, six or seven.
0: Um, you're all solo artists. Mm-hmm. You all have viable solo careers. You all have been together a long time. Um, you guys are traveling in close quarters. Usually, green rooms are in close quarters. Right. There is Little to no fighting, I think it's amazing that you all are able to manage egos as well as it seems that you do. Has that been mm. something that, that has been a project? Has that been uh, a process over time? Is that even true or is it yeah, just a right, that right. way?
1: I mean, I think for a rap crew, I think we do do a pretty good job of yeah. managing egos. You know? Yeah. Um If we were a cribbage team, (laughs) you know, that might be less true, right? I mean, we're in an industry that's, like, notorious for divas and (laughs) divos, So, I think we do a pretty good job. And I think, to be honest, like, on the occasion where one of us is graceless, Mm -hmm. very often we hear our own Mm -hmm. sentence rebound off the walls, realize we were graceless, and say...
0: That's beautiful.
1: Uh, Not always, but, you know... um, (laughs) I'm a dick. Uh, let's start the conversation again. You know, but it is challenging when you've got so many of us to like. The hardest part is for you an equal representation. You know, whether yeah, it's on a record, exactly. How do we all get our shine time without making all these songs so I can right. that song? You know,
0: it's kind of amazing. Like because I've learned in my life, I do not like collaborating.
1: Yeah, me neither. I do not like. You don't? <laughs> not really. So how do you how do you do it? <sighs> I mean, how do you make it work I, for you
0: if you don't like it?
1: I think my my. Disinclination to collaborate is on the seesaw, just less intense than my love for those dudes. Mm. So. It's worth it. I mean, that's how Doom she works, right? Okay.
0: Okay. Well, then, then how was it like before you loved them as much as you do <laughs> now? Like,
1: I wasn't a rapper then. Hmm. What were you then? Uh, I was a writer and a spoken word guy. Okay. You know, okay. so <laughs> 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 yeah. like all spoken word, like guys. all heavy drinking, sick guys, smoking. No, I um, you know, I got into to hip hop largely through like the Minneapolis local scene. Okay. You know, and my objective initially wasn't to become a rapper, though, I like those guys a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of on, like, a a more page and path, you know? I was trying to become an essayist. God, what were
0: those first raps like? Like, what was that like?
1: Like, um, God, like Ladybug or something. Like, Mm -hmm. I I was kind of on this... 80% 80% indie hip-hop, like, 10% neo-soul yeah, yeah, tip or yeah. something. Or, I'm, you know, just kind of using those, like, really ridiculous registers of your voice and, and doing, you know, writing songs that sound like they'd be good kind of, I don't know, background party fodder. I would think I was just essentially learning, like, how do rhymes work? What's an mm-hmm. internal rhyme scheme? And I wasn't thinking about being personally expressive.
0: I see. And by my boy, how that's changed <laughs> since then expression is something you seem to have um, a mastery of so you were writing Mm -hmm. and you were performing Mm -hmm. spoken word Mm -hmm. were you performing as dessa Mm -hmm. so where does that name come from
1: um when i was a teenager i was a singer in a karaoke bar where you know obviously you had to be 21 to get in Mm -hmm. so i I tended not to use my legal name when i was signing up you know to sing what did you like to sing sang a song, spiderwebs and Sunday morning. Okay, I don't know by uh, no doubt. Okay, Gwen Stefani stuff. All right, <laughs> I sing. Uh, I sing some Cheryl Crow joints.
0: Um, mm-hmm. she has that song. Um, <laughs> that all I want to do song. Mm-hmm. I've sang that song. That's a really good a song.
1: It's right song in my range. And I, really <laughs>
0: I don't think that song will ever leave me. Really? You know, I, I and and I really? I have a very solid understanding of. Corny it is.
1: Yes, totally. But I think it's a really nice song,
0: and I think it's a really weird song.
1: It is a super weird song to <laughs> be as popular as it yeah. is. Yeah, um, absolutely. And because that was her first hit, I thought was that she her was her first hit.
0: That was the first one that ever came across my the, desk, okay. my teenage <laughs> yeah, computer I'd love desk. To know what your desk was <laughs> my yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Totally. Trapper Keeper. <laughs> it had no. It had an IBM. Okay. Um, big ugly IBM desktop, like uh-huh. flat one, with a uh, two hundred and thirty-four megabyte hard drive. <laughs> oh, look at you. Okay. Yeah, it okay. was great. Um. But I th- I thought she was gonna be weird yeah. forever, because that yeah. song was so strange.
1: Struck by lightning with a hand in the sand, came to with a disfused in glass, closed the circuit, so full of white light, mouthful of ash, sparks in the pavement, dragging the chain, anchors off, man, lost it again. Steady on gotta push to the rain, but the van came for this, trained for this, made, made, made for this. Pray they miss duck. Duck great duck gets up and running, rest fall back like a bridge in London. Brand new bricks, I never touch. It.
0: Is Dessa the rap persona like is it is it? a character or is it you
1: I was I was really interested in making it me like Mm -hmm. if there is a perfunctory amount of daylight that must exist between the person and the persona I was determined to make that sliver of daylight as narrow as I could Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's necessarily changed a little bit over the years in the same way that I don't know set him into cruise on anything but I've become a little more performative Mm mm-hmm as the years have gone by, um, initially I didn't want to, I wanted to wear the same things off stage and on stage right, and that yeah. was really important to me okay. as a chick, as a woman. Yeah. Um, and I've reconsidered a lot of those decisions, to of be course. honest, some of them, I'm not sure if I've reconsidered because I'm more deliberate about stagecraft mm-hmm. or because I drank the Kool-Aid. hmm
0: Wow. The Kool-Aid from the industry?
1: Yeah. Like maybe you're just part of the misogynistic system that you had, that was perfectly sensible to resist. hmm you spend it. I feel like you expose yourself to anything for ten years.
0: It'll come. It'll it'll start to reside inside you in some.
1: Absolutely, and you're vain, and your you overestimate your your cognitive agency if you think that you can resist that willfully.
0: Well, does that not give you more fuel to try to actively resist?
1: I think it does. I have a hard time telling
0: the what two apart, I though. See.
1: Like, am I? Am I changing the way that all artists change and making new decisions and I'm allowed to, you know, develop my career in any way that I see fit? Or am I, in fact, responding to the insidious influence mm-hmm. of the culture that I've exposed, my two, exposed myself to? And the difference, I think, is you can't tell the two apart.
0: Have you received any impactful negative feedback from like the evolution of your yes. image how how was it impactful and what was it?
1: Uh, I remember yeah, this is years ago, but okay. there was like a, what was it? It was like a, like the Minneapolis blog for hip hop, you know. It was like a message board or message okay. form or whatever. But I remember they took photos of me from, and they put them side by side, mm-hmm. you know, year after year. And they just, and my clothes were getting tighter, you know, cause I used to wear like uh, raver pants. <laughs> really? You know? Like Jinkos, Like size 16 wow. and boxer shorts. And I would flip the boxer shorts over the band of the raver pants so that you could see the drawstring. So you would know like that girl's wearing boxer
0: I, shorts. I completely missed this phase. <laughs> I'm so glad. It sounds somewhat horrifying <laughs> it to me.
1: And I was like, you know, I was on some double XL hooded sweatshirts, you know, wow. um, So that a lot of times before I rapped, if my head was down no, you couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl.
0: But you've continued
1: Mm -hmm. to evolve.
0: And are you still getting that kind of feedback? Are people kind of along for the ride? Because I know you have a a solid, sizable fan base of your own outside of Doomtree. And I imagine um, a lot of those people probably watch you very closely. Right. So... uh,
1: I think... I don't. Know, it's like I want to knock on wood because it, who knows what the press will be like tomorrow, or what fan, you know yeah. listener response will be like tomorrow. But I think for me, it felt like it was at its worst three or three years ago, maybe. So it was like when I was start three or four after my first like full length came out, where yeah. I was touring for the first time as yeah. a solo artist and sort of making a name outside of Doomtree, mm-hmm. um, from listeners and from the press. Sometimes the questions got pretty dicey for okay. a while, okay. but. For the most part, I feel like I've been lucky enough to have a pretty intelligent and discerning listenership who, when they don't like something, their first impulse is not to lambast me. Mm. They'll talk about it. And a lot of times, to be honest, they just won't mention it if they don't like it, which is an insane courtesy from listeners in the hip-hop world. And it's so
0: surprising, and not even just in hip-hop. An artist, a female artist with an image as commanding as your mm. own as your stage presence and everything um, i would imagine it inspires lots of people and in that inspiration that thing would happen where they try to take a little bit of ownership of it mm. so if mm. anything changes then they flip out you know and that's just really that's fortunate that you well, have
1: that's well said and it may be that i'm not quite you know it may be if i'm lucky enough to to continue on a you know on a career path of growth that that's something that i'm headed for but i feel like right now so much of what what we all do is so clearly part of like an underdog tradition to so many people wow you know i mean just being you know being indie like you drive your car around right 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 now it's this hotel where we're sitting in a mezzanine you know there are five people sharing a hotel room to shower and this is the like bougiest awesomest tour we've ever been on right you know and and i think people can see and can sense that like okay You know, when we get a Doomtree record, Steph's mom mails it to us. (laughs) So I think that there's like a little bit, there's a margin of error that people are willing to accept.
0: Well, in that case then, is there any danger of Doomtree getting so big that it alienates?
1: I mean, sometimes I worry about that. Like, my my objective is to, you know, I want to take this thing as far as it'll go. Absolutely. Before I'm asked to change it so meaningfully that it's not what I'm championing. Right. So I don't want to get big at any cost. I'm not interested in that and i don't want to make money at any cost i think if i were this is not the industry to do that
0: absolutely in. there's no money in it
1: a, and i really think there's a hundred other places to make more money than right me. Um, i'm not super into the money I, I i guess i am interested though in making like a meaningful cultural contribution if i can mm. and so that that involves like a large listenership and a large audience you know what
0: is that cultural contribution if you mm. had to put it in a word yeah
1: I'm a little loath sometimes to make it sound like I have a particular agenda because I I don't. Certainly understand. You feel me? I don't like have a bulleted list, but I'm like I think that there's something meaningful about true stories told well and from varied casts of people.
0: And so, in your work specifically, most of the content is it mined from a true place? Say it again. Most of the content that you mine for your. Uh, solo work in mm-hmm. particular? Is it coming from a true place? Are these true stories or mm-hmm. things things that happen to you or are they kind of explorations of ideas?
1: I would say anything that sounds like it could have happened. Probably did. 90% of the time. Did. So if there's a talking raven, you know, th- mm-hmm. then there, that's an act of fancy. But, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so you mean to tell me that really? <laughs>
1: Poe, not notwithstanding. Um But yeah, I feel like anything that sounds like it could have happened usually did um, with the caveat that I'll I'll change small details enough to make sure that I'm obscuring the identities of the people that Mm -hmm. I'm writing about. Not to them, they'll usually know. But I don't want to throw fam under the bus.
0: That reminds me of uh, your song, Dixon's Girl. Yeah. You have a line about not having met too many females in the industry that you like.
1: I haven't met too many women in this business that I really like like, like. You could hold a little liquor, you could hold the conversation, you could hold your own mic And even that night I learned the truth about your man You gotta be big to treat pretty girls bad And it's not much, but my money's on you It's not much, but my money's on you It's not much, but my money, not much, but my money
0: Was that something that's true at the, at that time? Was that something
1: it that was. was true? Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't realize in writing that line, like, that's a big sentence. It is, it is, that, is, that, is, that was meaty. You know? That was meaty. And and I, I was like, wow. I was on my first record, there weren't that many people listening to me, to be <laughs> honest. So you sort of do everything without, without running it through the thought experiment of like how this is going to be taken. Sure. But I have to say that, A, I hadn't met that many women in the industry, period. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, there hadn't been very many with whom I'd connected up until that point. And I met this woman in a bar during a snowstorm in the south, and it was the worst show probably either of us had done in years because it was in the south, and we were having a glass of wine for the show, and the TV above the bar said that people, after an inch of snowfall, had started hoarding bread. Wow. And so we both went, <laughs> this isn't a win. <laughs> you know.
0: So what, what was it about the women that you had met thus mm-hmm. far? Was there a central issue that you were
1: having? <clears throat> I think that sometimes women involved in hip-hop, so I can't speak to music generally, but in hip-hop, respond to the prevalent winds of sexism in one of two ways, neither of which have been attractive to me. One is to go hypersexual. Mm -hmm. And the other is to deify or sanctify the female experience think i understand the impulse which is that, hey women are treated like garbage i'm gonna treat them like a goddess but mm-hmm. i don't feel like a goddess i just feel like a chick i feel like a person in the world right mm-hmm. who's trying to find love and trying to get paid and trying to drink whiskey and trying to be gratified by her career and right. trying to you know have halfway decent relationships with people in her family and i think that i'll although the impulse is praiseworthy i don't actually think that deifying women does much for us i think it's important that we be seen as human
0: but then then what I imagine would happen sometimes then is in your efforts not to do either, then a little bit of that deification might happen hmm. by proxy.
1: Like, what do you, you mean know? by proxy? That would mean um, I'm similar or I'm close to something? That's
0: meaning, like, I would imagine that there is some attraction from women to that and hmm. a little bit of that deification effect okay okay come, i might. feel like
1: yeah sure sure i mean anytime you're in like a big performance sphere like my feelings when i was you know 15 towards gwen stefani weren't <laughs> the same feelings as towards my babysitter right. gwen stefani seemed, oh, you know right. huge <clears throat> i know that that kind of those kind of feelings can crew around performing artists the ones i like have those feelings for me but yeah. but i feel like a lot of times there's like um a declarative sentence like I am a goddess and I see so and I'm w- just way coming more. at it from the way to command respect we don't have to make ourselves anything other than people I see we we deserve respect by virtue of our personhood right and so I think there's a compensatory pendular swing okay. that I'm not interested in because it obscures the truth of our condition exactly. as much as a hypersexualization or an objectification
0: I I I am right there with you because a big part of my aim is to address issues of the image of black male, especially yeah. in hip hop. And I do feel like, you know, there's this um, mm. there was this old African-American psychology model called the nigrescence model. And it was about how black people encountered race and what it did to them in terms of um, their own identity. And at some point when they became aware of racism, that. Pendulum swing would happen, and they would get super militant mm. black and deify blackness mm-hmm. over everything and I know that there's a lot of hip hop artists that do that, sure you know and I, and and it's it's interesting i I hadn't quite put thought to that, but I do a similar thing I'm like, no, it's not you know it's not that uh black men are not all criminals we, we we got that but it's not that black men are all saints mm-hmm. it's the quest is to see us all as individuals
1: it, do you think there's a time though maybe in each of those movements where it makes sense like you know because initially I remember as a little kid the first time I saw a black is beautiful poster mm-hmm. I didn't understand why I, that poster was happening mm-hmm. because that's a I was like well everything's like of course I mean, right. black people can be beautiful black people can be not beautiful right. White people, well, I didn't get it right. and then later realizing like okay but there's a there's a compensation that must of be done. Course. That when, you know, when, when black women are told that, that naturally their complexion or their hair it has to be fixed right. with, with product. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was like a, a revolutionary part of that sentence. So similarly, I mean, I'm tempted to say like, n- maybe there was a time and place for those messages. Sure. But I Absolutely. feel like, it, like at least in the the way that I, that I interact with, with being a woman in the world, that that is no that's no longer a message that seems to serve my time
0: and place. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, right you now, I, mean? I feel perfectly comfortable saying "Black Lives Matter."
1: Okay, because yeah, because
0: there is a problem with right. black men being killed, you know. Right. But um, I guess what I was addressing was more how in the uh, like
1: we're like kings. Is that a word that you would use?
0: Yeah. Like I don't, you know, like I don't, I don't. I shy away from that. I shy away from super militants in any sense. Sure. Um, because, like I said, I think the uh, the end product is that everyone's taken on their own merit.
1: Yeah. I sure. Know. Absolutely. Um, Content character. Well, what about that line in your? S- oh, I don't want to quote no, it because I'm going to le- do it wrong. Oh, okay. But what you, you you supply the line like "fuck you" if I'm oh, okay. A uh,
0: f- uh, fuck, fuck you, if, you if, you're if you're a white, white man, man and it thinks I s- no, the you're a white man and thinks I speak for all black folks fuck you you're a white man and thinks I can't speak for black folks but that's
1: unpack that though because I've that's often the, thought about it and I and I feel in some ways like I'm intimidated by that line in some ways
0: uh, it's an intimidating thing to say in front of a large hall of white people mm-hmm. every night <laughs> but
1: so tell, tell me about
0: it um, well it is to me it is exactly what I'm talking about because if you think that I speak for all black people you are wrong if you think that I can't speak for any black person because my voice, my presentation, isn't what you're used to, uh, okay,
1: okay, then okay, you're okay. also wrong. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So it's essentially, is, is the second part of that couplet a response to people who say uh, that's an Anglophile? Right. Okay.
0: Um, I, I, I had an, um, a review of my first album, and one, of the, one of the person said, uh, in what seemed to be very very sincere tone, that they weren't sure if they were ready for a rapper who speaks this well. And I was like, okay. Right? You know, and actually it was funny because that ended up fueling like my entire second album was just like, no, (laughs) you know, to that. But yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Do you get the word, okay, one of the most complicated parts of rap interviews on programs that I might otherwise really admire mm -hmm. is the couched insult and exceptionalism in a compliment like now Mike Eagle uh, oh, open Mike Eagle he is one of the most articulate rappers uh, yeah. that we've had the privilege of do, speaking to I don't to.
0: like any of that you I don't know? like I don't like this is a rap for people who don't like rap yeah. I don't like any of that
1: because it's a compliment to you personally at the expense of the entire genre and, and, and it absolutely um,
0: I think it validates this um, this this thing where people just don't look into it yeah. You know, they yeah. they see one example of something they want to latch on to that and then say that everything else is not worth looking into. Yep, I think that's really unfair, you know, because I think more often than not, I'm the person getting looked over in that, you know, in, in mm. other senses. Um, yeah.
1: I think it also allows you to maintain an a. Mi- An uninformed opinion.
0: That's exactly what I mean.
1: Even when you're confronted with contrary evidence.
0: That is exactly. Those are the words I should have used right now. (laughs) (laughs) Those right there. But yes, it it excuses their own misinformation and perpetuates it. Because, oh, it's
1: just you. It's just an exception. Don't worry about it.
0: Um, You touched on something earlier about becoming more um, performative. Yeah. And at this point, would you say that Margaret is different than Dessa?
1: I would say okay. So, I have one uncle who called me Margaret. Everybody else until I was um, in in my life called me Maggie. Mm. But to be honest with you, like I've switched so thoroughly. Not with my parents, you know. I mean, right. when we're at shows or whatever, they'll call me Dessa. But my parents will usually still call me Maggie. <coughs> but right now, like if someone calls me Maggie, it feels it's usually a power play. I I and I don't like it. I makes me mad.
0: I understand that.
1: And I think maybe it's like that. I don't know. I mean. You know, when I'm at a conference, you know, and I do a lot of those on, in the other part of my life, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do all of my life under under Dessa unless I'm dealing with, like, Social Security. That doesn't mean that my stage life and my off stage life are, are not different. What? It just means that the name hasn't been the determining factor. But what is the other part of your life? Oh, man, struggling to figure it out. I would say the other part of my life is on some long-term life shit, mm-hmm. like... I want to be an artist and a thinker who can be trusted for a well-considered and artfully presented secular read on like, what's going on, whether that's delivered in song or in a poetry or in an essay. And I want to create a brand and a, and a reputation more than a brand. I want to create a reputation that I guard carefully enough that I can portage it across disciplines.
0: I am so right there with you. Except that I'm way more crude about it. What do you, and, mean, what do you and, mean? And I'm like, I want to be the guy mm-hmm. that uh, CNN calls for the rap opinion. <laughs> you totally. know what I mean? Like, totally. You know, I don't, Um, it would probably help if I wrote something down. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, what I yeah. mean? But I want to yeah. skip that. Yeah. I want to go yeah.
1: straight yeah. I just want to, <laughs> I just know? want to CNN. I'm doing any of the work. I don't want any vowels and the people who call me. I want it to be New York <laughs> Times, CNN. You know. But yeah, I want to, not only that, like I want to. I just wanted to be like, Jess is doing a thing on Wednesday. How long is it? It's an hour and a half. What is it? Doesn't matter, we should go. Whether it's like a spoken word uh-huh. thing, you know That's what I mean? Nice. Or a one-woman show or a con- nice. symphony.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about what you're doing on a mic, technically, craft-wise. I really appreciate it because I'm a person who, um... I know how difficult it is to do. And in the first Doomtree I might have heard,
1: what was the first one called? The first one that was like official was, was self-titled. Yeah, so that's is the that first right? one I heard. Okay. This is not a promise, it's a threat. Your balloon, do the gossip, roll the table, rock the room, say it's a no, this job. isn't she got it because she needs somebody. I'm paying dues and red blood and borrowed money. Some me can, let me see your brand plan. A low budget production bandana glamour on a hand cam. Let me sign your post to strike a pose. Sleeping in my armor while you're sleeping on your host. It goes, get money,
0: And I remember your voice was like, wow, really cutting. Because a lot of the guys' voices, um, it's not that they sound the same; they don't sound different enough necessarily. Maybe at that phase, I think sure. now like there's the a, a lot word, more, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a lot more differentiation. But to me, you took a lot of time to shape what you do. Like you're, you, you listen to Chance the Rapper,
1: mm-hmm. a little bit.
0: Yeah. Now he's a person who struck me too. It was like I had a very similar thing when I first heard you. It was like I can hear when him, and he's mm-hmm. a person who writes a rhyme. Uh memorizes it and he probably he sounds like he probably performs it 20 times before he gets the melodic tips that he wants because there's some songs that i have that i don't really even know how they're supposed to go until i I performed them a year and i'm like oh that's what i should have done yeah you know but you seem to have a lot of that too like your your uh your confidence and melody seems to be really strong
1: and maybe just that like i i'd initially come from like a more singing environment mm-hmm. you know my, my mom was a really good singer and when i was little she would when you know, whenever we over around she would say, okay she'd sing along the radio and she'd say okay now your turn and the challenge is always to try, try to find a harmony line or to try oh, to okay. you know okay. what i mean and like the weirder that you could get the further from the main vocal line and still be right. musical right. like that was what mom was oh, into that's
0: nice yeah so do you do a lot so, of your own layering on your music because yeah because um mm-hmm. i know you tour with abby does she collaborate with you in the studio as well
1: only a little bit like so far anyway i'd um i'd done all the background vocals and all the harmonies on it on sounds records. amazing thanks man it
0: really does it sounds like there's more than one yeah. of you in there and yeah. that's, that's
1: pretty impressive i think there's 16 on some songs There's a lot of little tiny you know little tiny lines <laughs> so and I, and I think in part like i like i like big harmonies i like choral stuff yeah, 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 and i was yeah. just the cheapest singer that i could yeah, find no, who I, was willing
0: to sit in the city i have a too, line so. in a song where i'm like uh oh I can't remember it, so I fell down. <laughs> but it, right. but it, yeah, awesome. it is mine. Yeah, but it was something about how like I like to do one take uh, of rap and then do forty-seven yeah. singing parts. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean. Like yeah. I don't like to put anything really on my verses to keep my verses very clean. Naked. Yeah, yeah, and okay. then, um, yeah, and, like all of these tracks mm-hmm. for the choruses, you know.
1: Yeah. Um. So do you do like? Do you have an interest in doing just totally? Song material? Do you, do you call yourself, if you had a business card, does it say MC? Does it say rapper? Does it say vocalist? Does it say artist? Does it say musician? Yeah.
0: Does it say CNN correspondent? The one that I'm most comfortable with is, like, hip-hop artist. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's just vague enough, Yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I have some songs that are mostly singing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I usually put them near the end of the album. Sure. But uh, Well, okay, which ones do you like consider
1: that. mostly singing? Um,
0: like, n- none of the ones I really perform. Well, no. I got your records, like... I have a song called Death Made Black.
1: Yeah, okay. That I
0: think is, you know, I consider, like, I rap in the beginning of it, but then pretty much sing the rest of it. I have a song called Bright Green Light, which is mostly singing a little. I guess, I guess to answer your question, no, I I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but I don't don't know. Um,
1: Well, partly the reason I ask is, like, I don't know what the difference is, and maybe if I were, like, a, a voice teacher, I would, but I think that line is sort of blurry to me. Like if I Uh write a song that has three notes in it, is that a rap song? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And if like, is singing just rapping with very, with a lot of notes and is rapping just singing with very few?
0: It's interesting. I I sometimes have to do a thing in my head where I'm performing and I know a song so well that I have to make myself not sing it. I have to figure out ways to drag it into, into rap. Yes. You ever run into
1: that? Yeah, but for me, it's very often a register issue. So, okay. like, if I'm in a club that, 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 for whatever reason, I'm fighting the sound system a little mm-hmm. bit, then my voice only cuts over the beat if I go up a third or right. up a fifth or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. now i am in singing territory right. and, Whereas I like the lower registers of the and, voice. And,
0: and to me, I think, the, I was telling you the other night after a show that, like, your ability to uh, cut through a mix melodically in a low register I think is really amazing like I have a lot of songs that I've written in a low register but I've completely abandoned uh, the no idea joke. of like yeah. keeping them down there for down performance it, right. so have you, you know?
1: okay so well for some of them you know my show mixes are a full step up mm-hmm. than my record mixes okay. just cause to cut but I also like the music s- is, is I do the whole thing up wow. a half step or a full step Ain't, okay you know just because it's a little hard ho- it's hard to project in that really low the other thing is if I mean I'm sure you do the same thing but for those three or four low notes that are just hard to get through mm. you know if it's a song that the audience might know mm. <laughs> hey man you know give that that right <laughs> hand <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <And> then, <laughs> I haven't met a lot that I couldn't be on a chain around my neck I keep my skeleton key Don't waste your worry on me I always find what I need Come and go as I please I've got my skeleton key Don't waste your worry on me
0: Wow, we are doing pretty good here.
1: Are we? And the battery hasn't failed?
0: It is The battery's holding okay. up. Okay, I'm, is, ju- I'm
1: celebrating that with a second shot of whiskey so I'm listening um, but there's gonna be...
0: I, I appreciate your point and um... I would like you to pour me another yep, as well. Got you. Um, I did want to touch on the uh, the shots fired incident. Hit me. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> shots much. Shots
1: fired gate. Okay. Shots uh, fired. Yeah,
0: shots, fire, yeah, uh-huh. shots gate. <laughs> while we take shots. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: So you were recording an episode of Shots Fired yep. with my buddies Jeff Weiss and No Can Do. And uh, it is so funny because... When I think about this incident, mm-hmm. I almost think about it like it was something that was told to me. And you I forget that it. I was sitting there. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And this is the reason why. Because while it was happening, <laughs> um, I was kind of aware. But then um, it didn't really fully register with really? me. Really?
1: In real time? No,
0: it didn't. Um, mm. In that moment... In that studio recording okay. that podcast, you were being uh, what I would say, offended? Is that yes, the right that word? Would be true. Um yeah. and then when you got up to leave, I believe you said it was because you had somewhere to go or something like that. And I didn't I didn't know you well enough to think that it was anything
1: other than Then that. I had a pressing appointment. You know what I mean? Sure.
0: Like I didn't sure. I didn't I didn't have that familiarity with you to know where your public face was. Right. You know what I mean? Right. and And it wasn't that you were going to pull me to the side at that point and say We weren't different. homies like that. And exactly. you're an exactly. obviously. Exactly. And and that's, and so like, I think Jeff told me later, like I was, like I was riding home and Jeff was like, did you know Dessa was upset? Like, no, I had no idea. Like it was an email or something or what? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And then it's tripping me out because I'm going to play a show with you that night. <laughs> that's you know right. what I You mean? got exactly two hours to like, press. Wow. This is a, This is nuts. So,
1: I mean, how do you describe what happened? Okay, so initially, because I knew we might talk about this. Initially, I was like, I should listen to that podcast so that I remember exactly what the deal was. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to. I hear you. I just didn't want to. In part because it wasn't one of those kind of like, I've walked out of two or three interviews in my career, and that's it. Mm I walked out of one with, I think it was Riff Raff, and uh, one with... Riff no, Rap was interviewing you? Or? He was doing some sort of show, some MTV thing. Where it was like a South by Southwest. Oh, okay. And
0: somebody it, runs yeah. around with a microphone and does... One like, of those
1: deals, you know? Okay. And, um, and maybe one or two others. It's not something that I do very frequently, but it wasn't a scenario where I felt gratified like I would spiked the mic and flipped the table and I won. <laughs> <laughs> if I had felt like that, I think I would have listened to it again. Okay. But I felt like I picked a middle ground that wasn't satisfying. I felt like you're being a dick Mm -hmm. to me. No can do? Um, And I didn't, but it was that sort of like, you know, it's like grade school shit where it's like, oh, you're taking it personal? Mm -hmm. That it felt like if I was, I didn't see a win. Like if I took it, if I acknowledged that I was taking it personal, it looked like I was soft. I didn't want to, I don't want to do any of that shit in a podcast, man. I figured better to curtail it. But short story long, I didn't feel like, yeah, man, I handled that authoritatively. I felt like, that sucked, and so I left. Damn. And so <clears throat> I didn't want to re-listen to it just because it would have been sort of like an uncomfortable horror. Sure. 40 minutes of listening, you know. Yeah, no. So what I remember is this. I remember we were on tour. I remember um, that I knew that Chess Fired was, was kind of a big deal, so I felt excited to go. Mm-hmm. Remember I got there and somebody was really late and I was a little irritated by that cause ah, I see. cuz I was on time that's, that's probably no, no can do as it well. was yeah. but <laughs> but that was no deal breaker that's just right. that was just an
0: initial uh, lowering of your ceiling in terms yes, of uh, yes. being able to be flexible and about in
1: context as you know but but listeners might not like I am my own tour manager right. so it's not so like you're on top of I'm shit. not like I'm trying to be at the hotel, smoking weed. I'm like, I'm trying to book a hotel for tomorrow night and make sure that my guitarist, you know what I mean? You're trying to send me day sheets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whatever it is. It's a lot of administrative stuff. Exactly. And so you end up being busy most hours a day. So I was a little bit irritated by that because meanwhile, while I'm doing that interview, I'm also aware of the fact that my band just has to sit idly. I can't help them check into hotels. So I'm kind of holding everybody captive. Okay. And then the interview starts. And I just remember that there was one and then another sort of like, again, kind of like grade school recess joke that was sexually charged. It mm-hmm. was like one of those, like, that's what she said. Or there was yeah. like, uh, oh, I remember I mean, was something like there was a pun on, like I said, I was heady or something, meaning, you know, cerebral. Yeah. And then No Can Do took that to mean what obviously he would. And I was just like, you're tone deaf mm-hmm. if you don't think that this resonates differently in a hip hop listenership and community.
0: Right, you're tone deaf. There's there's something that happens. Uh, I remember there's an elder in LA, a guy named uh, Ben Caldwell. He uh, owns the Chaos Network, which is a building that Project Blow took place in. And I had a long conversation with him about hip hop one day, and he was telling me that one of the places where it went wrong was that uh, at some point hip hop started to take on the aesthetic. Mm of the way that guys talk to each other when women aren't around.
1: When was it not like that?
0: Um, before the chronic is what a lot of people would say. Um, because before that you had, the only person, there was like a couple people, Schooly D, yeah. Too Short, Too Live Crew uh-huh. that were on that. And then you had all these other things.
1: But even, I mean, Tupac, like, if you, there are so many, there's so many artists whose lyrics champion the disenfranchised. With the exception of women, right, and and the, the people who, with with some major exception, from my perspective, with some right. major exceptions like Karis One, like, and they may not, they may or may not be artists who I'm like more a fan of than other people, but it's it's tough. I think it's tough to like really critically look at a full catalog of lyrics of a lot of classic rap. Well, and find, and I'm I'm not arguing that point as much. Okay, I'm
0: saying, and and his point was this that. Um, From the Chronic onward, basically. Um, Like, that was the first probably big mainstream rap album that was super misogynistic, where like, mainstream white America bought into this too. And consumers seem to start to choose that even more at some point, to to where, I think that more than anything has contributed to this culture now where people are thinking of something as hip hop that's the immediate place where they go when they're talking if there's no ladies around
1: Hmm. then they
0: take it to uh that place Mm -hmm. the locker room place okay you know what i mean and it's not that that's even acceptable there but that's what happens on shots fired
1: but i feel like there's a distinction too between like having first i'd acknowledge I am no hip hop scholar in part. I thought I, I thought I should be, and I thought I should listen to a lot of the classic albums. And then I, I started to wonder, to be honest, it was race versus gender for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. how much do I owe a studious familiarity with the black tradition that I'm participating in? Right. Even when it comes at the expense of,
0: of your own value. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It would beat you down. Right. Right. Right.
1: And so I don't have a good answer. There's a, there's a balance to be struck. But, um, But I'm really careful with what I call foul on. So I think that there's a lot of objectification and a lot of hypersexualization that is totally fair as long as everybody's, for the most part, doing their best to talk to other adults. I love the face you made when you said best. It was not an earnest. Labor. (laughs) Labor is better. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think between two consenting adults, a lot of times objectification of a sexual nature happens. Right. That's right. legit. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, every sexual encounter I've had and every sexual encounter that my friends have had was not made with, I don't want to meet everybody's mom. Right. That's fair. Exactly. Everybody's not trying to meet my mom. Cool. Mm-hmm. I think the line is, is the degradation and dehumanization of women when it's a badge of honor that I never love one. Right. I never love a woman. And that kind of sentiment is more interesting and more important to me than like, do you use the word bitch or hoe or trick? Mm. Those can be discussed too. But do you treat women as a social currency in a way that undermines their fundamental humanity? Right. Meaning, I'm so fly that I can mistreat even a fine woman and know that she is expendable and there's another one behind her Mm. and mislead her in doing so. Wow. And I think that the women as social currency is a is a very prevalent theme.
0: I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree. So locker
1: room, like, I hit that. She's fine as fuck. No, that, no, no. That, but that doesn't bother me as much. About, I mean, girls talk the same way. That's part of, you know what I mean? It bothers
0: I, me, though. Um, because, in a sense, it's like, who are you really? You know? Okay. Like if, if, if who you are is so relative to who's in the room.
1: Oh, I see. You know see, what I mean? I then
0: who are you really? You know what I mean? Mm,
1: okay. I do. I think maybe we might card company in that way. In that, yes, I guess I wouldn't like to hear that conversation. I mean, this guy's a jerk. But maybe the line that I'm drawing is, what do I have a personal taste for mm-hmm. is a different discussion than what do I think there's a moral transgression on. Okay. In the same way that I don't happen to love super gory slasher movies, but I'm going to withhold that red card. Until I'm absolutely sure. Um, because I think that to cry wolf is to dilute any complaint that I would register. Mm. So, like, the fact that I don't like that is a different sentence than I think that that's morally problematic.
0: So, on that podcast, which w- which which was it then or was it both?
1: I definitely personally did not like that because right. I felt like I was being made to look like a chump. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that... <clears throat> I think that I want to be careful here because I just said I was careful all the time. I think that it is morally at the best. It's, it's in sensitive to the context in, that women generally play in hip hop to imagine that on first meeting someone mm. and arriving late, you can make a joke about fellatio with a total stranger in your house. Right. And expect that woman to sit in your studio chair and kind of grin and flirt back or grin and look made to me to look foolish like that's not classy it's not nice mm. <laughs> and it's uh if you don't realize how that plays into the larger culture and why there'd be a hypersensitivity there, then that's just sort of silly in the same way that like a joke that I would make about my Catholic upbringing is going to resonate really differently than a joke that That somebody at the table makes about um, about Islam in America today, because the power dynamic is so different between those groups. And when I get a bad review, people say that I'm a man or that I should be raped because my album isn't good. Wow. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that the sexual, yeah, like the sexual politics are so much a part of hip hop that bad consumer reviews. I mean, like, she's whack is a perfectly fair thing to say. I don't right, like her because shit.
0: because at least that's, that's meritorious. Meri- oh, absolutely. Meritori- it's, about, it's about the art. Or like, yeah. shit,
1: man, I don't know why the fuck she got that bill. That girl's, that, that chick's whack. Fine. Right. I'm going to rectively rape her. <laughs> that's not, meri- that, that, that's not a reflection not okay. of <laughs> Definitely not. And so because, because that's a, that's a hot, that's such a hot button topic, mm-hmm. that was why I felt like, particularly when we're on air, why I don't have the opportunity to be like... Hey man, rapper, to rapper. What the hell's going on on mm-hmm. here? You know, I didn't know him well enough to be able to do that.
0: Do You feel like you do now?
1: No, but I feel like I have to. I have to get him. To, I have to get to know him well enough to be able to do that now because our 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 clicks are, p- are partnering. Yeah. You know, and maybe if I was able to do like that magical slow motion thing in that interview and like call time out and think for half an hour, I would have been able to do it in a really cool way in the air. But um, but I was surprised because I thought I was in like a
0: safer space. Kinda. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was yeah. I didn't come. I didn't come, collar up in the way that I would be if I, even if you like were talking to riffraff. Or, yeah, <laughs> I was ready to flip a chair. Right. And I just waited, and then I flipped the chair, and I left, and I went and you know had a snow cone. I felt great. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: would. I would say, not. I don't know if this would make any difference to you, but I definitely, knowing him, it is. It was more of an insensitivity than a malicious thing yeah. I believe it yeah. and
1: everything else I've I've heard about him since you know because afterwards I was like well what the hell you know, just happened what did I walk into there's been nothing to imply that this dude's a jerk that this dude has it out for me mm-hmm. or that this dude's you know has some weird like deep-seated hatred for women yeah. and that's why I, I used the word tone deaf and insensitive and I'm eager to you know now that I'm <laughs> I'm on the, the record obviously this will be exactly the same conversation for that, sure that we'll have With him on the other side of the table. That's fantastic.
0: Um, Well, thank you for talking about that. I know it wasn't the easiest thing to do.
1: All good.
0: I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for, for sitting down.
1: And thanks for being on
0: this tour. You're killing it. Nah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much. Thank you.